My name's Tracy Smith. I was born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan. In 1998, I attended the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas. And at a promotional side event at a local coffee house, I saw a showcase featuring some of the most talented performance poets in the country. Afterwards, I returned home and founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Now, almost 25 years later, for the sake of history, for the sake of nostalgia, and for some of the incredibly talented people we've lost along the way, I give you, dear listener, the Keizu Poetry Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one naked moment that never I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. And the place of finding how wonderful we are, we form the sweet nature of the future and the reasons that we sing. This week's Keizu Slamcast was recorded on September 25th of 2001. The poetry features are Mama Maria McRae from Chicago and Keizu's own Dawn Sailor. I don't talk very much usually about the about anything at the beginning of the podcast. I like to keep my comments brief, but I've got a few things to say about this particular show. Two memories that are stuck in my head, and I didn't remember they both happened at, at this show until I listened to them, but... I guess I'll go in chronological order. I've talked about this a little bit before. When I first founded the Poetry Slam in Kalamazoo, I didn't want to host it. I wanted to be the behind-the-scene guy, the Lauren Michaels, the producer, the showrunner. That's what I was hoping for. Because I'm an introvert. It was a lot of trial and error, but for a while, we were trying to do a show every every single Tuesday. And we'd have two co-hosts every Tuesday. But eventually I realized that was spreading out the talent pool too thin and spreading out the audience too thin. So we consolidated it into every other Tuesday. And I hosted most of the shows, but not all of the shows. But one of the things, one of the things that led to that, and I, and I, don't, have a, I don't have a recording of this, but I'm, I'm going to share this short anecdote, hopefully. Hopefully it'll be short once I edit out all the awkward pauses. Uh, Aaron Fleck was one of the co-hosts of one of these shows, and she's a lovely person, uh, but she booked a band to be the feature at her show without ever listening to them. So the band gets up after the poetry to do their feature, and it turns out it's a punk band. And we had a full house of people that night, and before the end of the first song, everybody left. I mean... Everybody got up and left. And I was pissed. So Erin didn't come to very many shows after that, but she she came to this show on this particular night and performed. And then after that, she pulled me aside out on the deck at Craft Brow and gave me the sweetest, most sincere apology. It, it was wonderful. And we both learned a lot about what not to do when putting on a show. But the reason it sticks in my memory was because while she was giving me this sweet, sincere apology, in the background, Charlie Burgess was performing a brand new song that I think he only performed the one time. And it was called, I shit you not, it was called, I Want to Come on Your Tits. So you're going to get to hear that in the open mic. 
And then after the open mic, Mama McRae from Chicago, a wonderful, wonderful person whom we all miss a great deal. She was on the Chicago Slam team, the national team, I think eight times. She was in the Marine Corps during Vietnam. She was one of the most warm and generous people you'd ever want to meet. But she was also tough as nails and unfuckwithable. And she was sharing her feature that night with Dawn. And this was only a couple of weeks after 9-11, and we were all still in shock. So I guess the second anecdote is a bit of a trigger warning. Uh, Dawn has a moment on stage that's very raw and emotional and beautiful. And I'm going to leave it in. I'm not editing it out. This is a really... This is one of the best shows ever because it was it was so yeah, I lost my train of thought there. Anyway, first part of the show, open mic, a little bit of Mama Maria and Dawn's feature, and then we'll catch the second half of the feature next week along with the poetry slam. <laughs> Our love was like the spring rose you picked me, plucked so maturely it never got the chance to bloom, the stem too weak to hold the bride and groom, or even two people that slept in the same room. We needed the root of friendship, the sunshine of time spent knowing it was growing instead of love assumed. And that's it for that one. And um, the second one, I've never done here before. Um, it's about my mom, and it goes, my mother was a sunflower growing amid the desert on the side of a highway. Could anyone else come to some similar close-ended sentence conclusion? Well, actually riding down a desert highway, seeing a sunflower something or other, and thinking of, for instance, their mother? Seeing the sunflower first as a burst of sunshine, and secondly, there right after, in a climate you couldn't deny. Fragile little petals against relentless burning sky. Statements so symbolic you write them before even asking why. Seeing the desert highway <clears throat> first as nature's artistic twist, and then marveling for moments at the incredible serendipitous truth in it. Thank you. It's like knowing everything all at once, knowing every little thing you've ever pondered, knowing every question ever asked about anyone or anything you've ever seen, knowing the name to any face, the meaning to every word in every poem, holding the hands of millions of people, babies and mothers of all religions, all beliefs and colors, holding the hands of even those who have passed away, and the ones just born today, looking into all eyes, looking back at yours, even the eyes you've only seen one time and only for a second, even the eyes you've never ever seen until you look, until you really experience what you see. To me, it's like 
meeting my soul and remembering why I'm me and who I am. It's like knowing everything I am not and knowing everything I am not all at once. It's like hearing an overpowering song for the first time and realizing the song was written for you, about you, to you. It's like I wrote that song in a dream when I didn't know I wrote it without the help from my hands or my heart or my mind. I wrote it but didn't, should have but couldn't. It's like reading on the road for the first time and knowing Jack Kerouac was there on the road. He may have even been on the road I've been on. It's like knowing but not knowing, but knowing we've all been on that road. And I'd like to read one more, if that's OK. <clears throat> I, I read this one once here, but I'd like to read it again, because I have two special friends with me who I'd like to read it to. It's called, If You Were a Door. If you were a door, the only door I could walk through, would you let me in? Or would I have to knock, ring a bell, or would there be a welcome sign, a beware of the dog sign? Would there be a bright yellow banner that says, caution, keep out, do not cross? Or would there be a friend inside, anticipating my company, waiting while fussing to make my stay happy, hoping and praying I would never walk out that door again? Or would there be nobody, dim lights and uncomforting, strange shadows, eerie sounds, echoes from footsteps and dark cats' meows? Or would there just be a door that I knocked at, and kept knocking and kept knocking with my ear against it, about to get a splinter. Listening, would I hear your breath, your movement on the other side? Wondering when I'll give up to find another door. Or would I stand there paranoid and just look at the door with you inside, wondering why I didn't come over? And that's it. Thank you. I've been working on some pieces, and some are old and some are new, and I've been trying to like memorize my pieces. This is my big goal to myself, and to read it here is like really intimidating. I've been reading it everywhere else, and it feels fine, but it somehow, since this is like my home, and like with oh, I'm gonna cry, and the people that <laughs> the people that read here are just so inspiring, and uh, um, yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Uh, so I'll read my poetry now. <laughs> I want to know your body solely by the tip of my tongue, a self-contained treasure map to the contour of your collarbone shadow, vanilla neckline sparks the backs of my eyelids, Photograph the hairs that fade the stories of your skin. Bodies soaking through foam. You hold my head afloat, pressed 
like a precious jewel between the weight of your palms. My cheeks rest in the wake of gypsy stories. Your lifeline ebb and flow from the crown of my head ear to the length of my jawbone. My onyx lashes open to underwater secrets decoding the braille of my face. Fingertips scan the scar above my right eye. You lick this flesh sanctuary of mishap, spending days tasting the morrow, and then resurface with a tiger silk rose. The cocoon of my body unravels in the knowledge of beauty. She is no longer a sleepwalker inside my head, smiling like a painted porcelain doll who cannot frown. I want to go inside your skin to find the buried treasure of an orchid tulip in your hips. The scent of each petal fades to nape, knees, sweat, like a rainbow of evolution bowed over me in the dance of Lake Michigan. Inside a full moon of tides, I tasted your blood orange lips. And I believe that this, this moment is not a dream as my fears and inhibitions are blown off into the surf to a shipwreck in the deep distant shoreline. In this moment, I memorized perfection in the way our sand angels look on at us, whispering secrets. Yay! <laughs> love poetry. So there's not a lot of love going on in Utah. It's like the celibate state. <laughs> That's okay, though. <laughs> With, with celibacy comes like the time to like work on poetry and memorize shit. <laughs> so. Okay. All right. This is an old one, but hopefully I'm going to hit it. All right. I let go of the idea that you will ever love me. I'm a prostitute for your love. Stale, paps blue ribbon ingrained into your brown mustache. You walk up to the white-sided house, oil-stained leather boots. Crumbling on the gray cement steps, fumbling, knocking on the empty wooden deadbolt door, already drunk. Your shirt, still wet with car grease. I stretch my arms out for your love, and a limp wrist pats me on the head instead. I let go of the idea that I was conceived out of love no more than a hard-on and ejaculation. Maybe I can fantasize about immaculate conception. Sacrifice. What did I sacrifice for you? I got into the truck. I memorized the street signs. That was my job at six with your PBR 
gingerly resting between thin thighs. I memorized the stops, the yields, the turns from 5865 Shaw Street to 1736 Robertson Avenue, staring endlessly into the rearview mirror, watched the brown chocolate of my eyes, sitting, staring in silence, screaming to myself, I hate you! I hated you. And I pretended that I was a different girl in a different body, not riding around with a father so drunk the lines of the road dissipate, swaying back and forth, nearly slipping from my back through, about through the windshield. I left you an imprint of my love on the black dash. You could never protect me, infect me with alcohol the way you could slide down a 24-pack in one sitting with your ass passed out on the green tattered rocking chair. I can't remember the smell of the breeze if it was a cool day or a hot day. I can't hear the chattering of the trees. I can't taste the ice cream, but there you were to scoop me up from the beautifully horrific peacock's yellow, shiny beak at Potter's Park Zoo. But somewhere in between the maze of the green lawn, the cement steps leading down to a wooden viewing deck full of swans and ducks and fenced and deer. You were not there to protect me from falling into the pawning and drowning of men's desires. Their bodies, beautifully horrific, inside mine. And that charity that you would teach to such a brown-eyed girl would be the same charity that would drown her in quarter handfuls of tears the bread bags, plastic, empty skin waving in the still of the air. And I fantasize about the escape. And there you were, hands around the collar of my pink coat, lifting me up out of the sky as your cigarette butt slips from your dry, cracked lips, hitting the ground. You spit into my mouth. You are nothing more than a hundred-dollar whore, hands lifting me up out of the darkness of the night into the blue of the sky, and I, I fantasize about the escape. And I, I would escape the peacock's tail, longing like a circular saw to lick me into death. some poems are like always manifesting themselves in different ways and yeah this one will have a new chapter to it somehow which isn't always pleasant <laughs> 36 32 48 yeah that's right I got hips hips that dip side to side swish sway you see my father warns girl you're starting to look like your mother. Yeah, that's right. I got my mother's hips. And you see, I was talking to my conscious the other day, and he ain't got much hips, but he has that real sexy, meaty indent. You know, the one above thigh, below hip bone right here. Mm -hmm. And he says, girl, don't change a thing about them hips. 
And I tell him, you know, sometimes I got doubts about the shakes I put out in the XL skirt, feeling like ripe plum, hot, sweating in the sun, about to burst open when my father asks, Aaron, why do you have such a fat ass? I mean, your ass is so fat. And for a vegetarian, I always thought vegetarians were skinny and dead looking. And I'm not sure what vegetables have to do with my hips, but my mom's been getting some pretty good action over the last 50 years. With those hips, keeping white, black, Latino, and yes, even women interested after the first slice into her soft tummy, full excavation of cervix, ovaries, uterus, eggs. And three years later, her back ached. Doctors went in and shuffled out a blackened kidney. And her thin body, filled with hormones like the sands of Lake Michigan, and her hips rounded and rounded and rounded. And as I lay in bed looking at my stretch marks, I tell my man about speed walking. <laughs> he says, Aaron, walking's not going to do much for that. So did you feel that? Baby, that's bone. <laughs> I say, yeah, walking's not going to do much for that. And it won't stop a man from dangling out the car window, torso like a flag in the wind, screaming, hey, fat ass. So I'm trying to make that a compliment. But somehow it's difficult for my mother to love her body when she says, Aaron, will you just suck that gut in? <coughs> you will look a lot nicer. And when scar tissue built a wall around my mom's pancreas, the doctors stapled her back together instead of stitched. Her scars are caterpillars that will never crawl, cocoon, or grow wings. And while I'm lying in bed thinking if I could just get my hands on a sharp silver circular saw, I could start shaving off the hips of my, like, string cheese till all there'd be left is bone cartilage, a few veins to play marionette with. Maybe I'd become a model, pose in a milk ad. Maybe I'd lay myself over a 1960 Chevy Spread Eagle. Maybe then my dad would be proud because it's hard for him to show off my college degrees and poetry. He'd hang me up in the garage above the air compressor, Ms. July. Yeah, that's right. I got hips. And I wear my body pressed up against the glass of your eyes. And when I watched, walk by, I caught your triple take. And when my father tells me that I'm starting to look like my mother, the skin of my mother inside my body is proud as we both radiate out to the moon because we are wild women the Scar Clan. Thanks. You all have to stay around for this like awesome, awesome woman. Yeah, that was Aaron. Don't before you begin. 
This is the voice of God, and I'd like to remind everyone in the audience to please turn off their pagers and cell phones. You know, I'm really sorry. I usually am so good about that. Like, usually I got it on silent God just in case. Spoken. And um, I'm, I sincerely apologize to everyone for leaving my cell phone on. I don't want to be flogged. That really doesn't sound like fun. All right, next up, we got Laura, and then we got John Ramkin. All right, everybody clap really loud for Laura, and then really loud for John, okay? Kick ass. Never read anything out loud before, so a little nervous version. Indeed. And it means a whole lot. The mornings, when it would be just before the sky started to light, approaching day, when we still hadn't concluded the one that had passed between our eyes. From your skin to my soul, from this moment that has turned into all night, that has turned into all morning, that has turned me inside out but will not let me turn away, to the moment that I miss you so much that I can taste your lips and your love. And it all means so much more than what I can convince myself makes sense. First up, get this damn microphone where it needs to go. That's better. All right, I've got an announcement. Some of you might know that I am the co-host of next week's slam. It's the Gonzo Slam. It's me and Greg Bliss, if you know that crazy guy. It's a pretty nutty event. And for for those of you who weren't here on the first Tuesday of last month, we're doing the Prince Slam. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Prince Lyrics coming at you live via slam format. Not to be trifled with. All right, we do give out prizes for this lunacy too. That's even better. On the second note, it's fall. That occurred to me today. I came out of work and uh, shivered and went, all right, it's fall. I love fall. I am weird, but you know, hey, you roll with the punches. But that's because I get nostalgic around fall, and I think of my family, and I think of my friends, and I think of my parents, and I think of my past, and my people's past. They're pretty specific people. I have rested another day Another day to count minutes passing like miles on the open road, and I've rested my mind preparing for mental breakdown. The breakdown of dream wounded by pride, it's a slow death, because the dream of me refuses to give in. I cannot accept choices made any easier than I can strike my own shadow, but I feel it strike me. It tears my flesh and exposes me for what I really am. And you want to know who I am? The answer is me, no longer self-assured, smiling bravado gone. I am sitting near a fire with the spirits of my ancestors. They point translucent fingers at me and a chant flies wicked round the room. Time to talk is over and time to learn is here cause young man's getting older, confusion disappear. And I listen to their chanting, clocks ticking with the strength of endless time. My ancestors will never let me be. 
They know that there is too much riding on their own permanent salvation. Gypsy boy here to take them to the promised land, because we all have honor here, and we take what we need. I am the one they asked for, a prophecy measured in heartbeat. Great grandpa gave me a recipe. She said it'll cure my ills. Just sip a little bit, darling. Too much and the stuff will kill. Great grandma came along, taught me to read the vines. Now there's the one you need to make the homemade wine. And my old uncle stopped by too and he said, I'll teach you how to track. Just come from their blind side and stab them in the back. Now Annie just smiled and said, you can steal what you have bought, but only take what you need and try not to get caught. And the spirits disappear to their homes back in the hills, and my memory holds what they have said, pressing it closely to my heart. And I am the gypsy boy retreating from dream. And I wake with a grin because I hear last words from the smiling departed. Time to talk is over. Time to dance is here. Because young man's getting older. We hope we made it clear. All right, all right, all right. So we're gonna have, we got three more, and then and then we're gonna we're gonna have our feature, man. We gotta have my Maria. All right, all right, all right. Kick ass. I have the bucket of doom. <laughs> all right. So first up, we have Uncle Drac, and then we have Chris Fisher. Fisher. Wow. Fisher. And then we have Chuck. All right. So everybody, clap really loud for Uncle Drac. Moving a little slow here, but uh, recent knee surgery will do that to you. <laughs> there, in the powder blue hood of a 63 Lancer wagon, don't stare right at the sun. It can burn your retinas, son. Yes, Dad. So I'll blink and look. I'll blink and look. Paint the inside of my eyelids point by point with blue-green afterimages of a sun-setting red ball, redder than fire engines, race cars, or blood on fire. There, before the grown-ups who couldn't explain things to you because they never understood them well enough themselves, got frustrated and made you memorize them like red is the blood of Jesus, like the sun owes its incandescence to a nuclear reaction, continuous but similar to an H-bomb. Red like the eyes of demons, dragons, trolls, and ogres. There, like I remember it, where the air blows cool, scrubbed clean by the violence of sharp lightning and water falling in one gray, obscuring sheet. Air that fills your lungs, strong and soothing like a child's breath does as the rainbow bridge of pure color drops from heaven. Before someone told me it was simply light refracted into its component wavelengths, before I heard that clouds were just water vapor, like fog, there. When I still saw that fog illuminated against heaven, glowing soft multi-hued layers of it, weaving and dancing, blooming cumulus and filigree cirrus. It was a warm sky garden of water vapor thrown across the firmament, there, before. I read the Bible, the Dhammapada, or the Koran, 
and I still could tell you that if there was a God, the inside of his hands had the textures of clouds there. When Mother Nature still lived in my imagination, before someone told me all goddesses were dead, when I could see the imprints of her arms and legs in the lakes and valleys, when the ridges of mountains were formed between her kneading fingers, there. And I'm sure you remember it too. Before we got so stressed and caffeinated that we rushed on by, before we dimmed the vision with smog and alcohol, when our real treasures were what we couldn't touch, before we started to look for, our for eternity with our eyes crossed there. When I knew about the man in the moon, before men had been on the moon, before an adolescent started to think, maybe it's really the face of a woman having an orgasm. <laughs> Long before a friend made me turn my head upside down. See, it's a rabbit. <laughs> and much longer before I saw that if the night was yin, then the moon must be the yang within yin, like the white dot on the black paisley in the yin-yang symbol. And maybe prehistoric Europeans borrowed the idea from prehistoric Chinese and decided the moon must be male. And it is possible to explain and complicate the magic right out of something. And I forget most of the time about that place. Forget how clouds cast their shadows on other clouds or melt and run from the bottom when it rains two counties over. But sometimes I still glimpse it there when the colors swim gently over my tongue to my heart, and my heart holds life precious again, and every breath sweet, and time stops, and the clouds are huge. I don't know about some of you, but I've felt my own voice um, stilled over the last couple weeks and have not been able to write very well. So I'm borrowing some things. <laughs> um, here goes. This is called Revolutionary. You cannot talk of violence as you would of putting the cat out at night. Can you hear the skull cracking, flesh pouring over willing fingers like blood? That is violence, revolution. Beware of warriors who plan their battles in the sky, then go away and leave the earth to die. How many bodies will be enough? When will justice have drunk full? The man should live better that he must die. It puzzles me. It must be a new kind of Christianity, though Christ gave his own life. Now the air smells of takers, too young to ever have, been, ever have given. James P. Friel. And this one's my favorite. It's called End of the Beginning by Jim Northrup. Someone said we begin to die the minute we're born. Death is a part of life. Who knows why the creator thins the herd? 
Another old saying says we must all be prepared to give up those we love or die first. Take time to mourn. Take time to remember. Everything happens in cycles. The pain you feel was once balanced by someone's joy when that baby was born. The loss you feel today will be replaced by good, long-lasting memories. Is there a message here? Yeah. Treat others like this is your last day above ground. Thank you. the request. Oh God, what would your mama say about the things that you've been your mama say about the people you've been screwing cause I know she taught you better taught you always bring a sweater yeah I know she taught you better than that And by the way You're getting fat Say about the people 
A few nights ago, they had this thing on TV where uh, it was a benefit for New York, and they opened up with Bruce Springsteen singing this this sad song about his city in ruins, a deliberately crafted song. Anybody that knows me knows that kind of upsets me, but <laughs> there was it, it, the whole thing kind of blew me away. There was. Uh, uh, Neil Young singing Imagine, and I kept running back and forth to get my guitar and do things because it was just driving me crazy. So, <laughs> the next morning I woke up having sexual fantasies, <laughs> as usual. And uh, I wrote this song, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know why I had to put it in that context, but somehow that's where it came from. <laughs> Come on your tits. 
please do not try this at home. Thank you very much. Um, I think that we're going to take a break now and smoke some cigarettes. And uh, as long as it takes me to smoke a cigarette is how long you have for a break. Buy a beer. Tip Alicia. When I get to heaven, I'll be looking for. She was dark chocolate, very tiny, so old, so old she was ageless. That was my grandma, Melinda Blunt, and she was truly my first raising raisin in the sun. The sun that shone down there on her front porch in Cresswell, North Carolina. She would sit for hours on her throne. Sometimes lost in thought. Sometimes dipping snuff. Sometimes overseeing the scores of grandchildren that came to visit. I was but one of that barefoot, carefree crew. I can still feel and hear her regal authority as she spoke the dreaded command. Child, go get me a switch. You ain't gonna act that way. <laughs> and Lord knows she meant it too. I remember a black woman who had a hard time of it. I mean, she worked, okay? What with 10 children and a husband to raise. And times, times, being like they were, sharecropping that long lie, about 40 acres and a mule, and oh yeah, a woman's place. Come to think of it, times haven't changed all that much. My grandmama had to have this life philosophy. She would say, child, just do it. Just do it long before Nike. <laughs> just do it, or at least get up off your behind and try, try. And that's what she passed on to her children, try. And thus she imparted it to me, try. It's time for you children to kick open the door with a great big shoe, throw back your shoulders, lift your chin, and pimp the fuck on through, try, always try. We are alike. My grandma, Melinda, and you and I, we've all sat there. Breathing, listening, like a baby, like one tiny speck in a universe full of stars and planets and comets. Try. You know it. Try. The place you come from. Try. The place you're going to learn to love yourself. And when I get to heaven, I'll be looking for. Thank you. There are about 250 uh, poets across the country that call me mom. I'm their poetry mom, and I'm really honored by that. But one that I adopted personally is a personal friend of yours, and I'd like to welcome her to be my co-feature, Ms. 
Dawn, Sailor Moxie Moon. Come on up, come on down, my baby. Wow. Damn. Ain't nothing New York got that can compare to that shit, dude. Well, I'll follow in your footsteps then. My grandma used to jitterbug in the 40s. Started brawls with women over my grandfather, worked in a pickle factory, and rolled her own cigarettes. <laughs> she tells me about trips to find the perfect steak on the back of a 1942 Harley. My grandfather, oh wait, no, that's not how that poem goes. Uh, back of a 1942 Harley. Uh, damn. across the US and back again. And one day up in the UP, my grandfather turned around, decided not to drive any farther, put the car in reverse and headed home. No explanation, end of vacation, no more adventures, said goodbye to road trips and gave in to the propaganda of a 50s nuclear family with a brand new car and a yard, a tree and a dog. <laughs> but my grandfather drove a Grand Prix that died, damn it! Guys, I've been all fucked up. <laughs> I've been all, you know, honestly, I, I'm, I'm just gonna. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got something I wanna say, you know? <laughs> I think that this has been a really hard couple weeks for everybody and I think that there's shit going down right now that none of us understand and we can't explain it and we don't we don't know how to accept it at least I don't and I think the most important thing that we can remember to do is love everybody because you know what I mean, who the fuck knows what's going to happen tomorrow? I mean, who knows if we are ever going to be here at Craft Brow fucking sharing our poetry. You guys are what ha have made me who I am today. And without you guys' love and support, I don't, I don't know where I'd be. I really don't. So everybody just love. I mean, that's all we got. That's, that's so all that matters. Out of anything.
let me know when she's ready to try it again. This is, uh, <laughs> I've repressed a lot of uh, the feelings I've had about this for a number of years. Um, I have a poem about my uh, first cousin who uh, worked in the World Trade Center South Tower, 92nd floor, um, <clears throat> for the last four years. She took me on a tour when I was out performing in Boston and uh, they found her uh, Friday, the dogs found her. Um, I'll tell you about that more later. But there's being a member of my, my, my maiden name is Blunt, B-L-O-U-N-T, and a member of my family has uh, <coughs> voluntarily or involuntarily died in every fucking war this country has ever had. I mean, every war dating back to the Revolutionary War. But be that as it may, I'm a former Marine, Vietnam veteran, and this is about that. It's titled Simplify, thank you, Simplify Jewelry Box. Um, there's a cadence song that uh, Platoon 11B, 1967, October 16, 1967, we used to sing around Paris Island, the only place they trained WMs. Uh, and that's what starts this poem. You can have your army khakis. You can have your navy blue. But here's another uniform I'll introduce to you. This uniform is different, the finest ever seen. The Germans called us devil dogs. The name is just Marine, Marine. We fought the war in Mexico. We fought at Bello Woods. We fought a thousand places that no one thought we could. Our name is Holy Terror among the Viet Cong. A war fought bravely. A war, some say, was wrong. Marine, Marine, so Boys, here's a little tip I'll pass along to you. Just get yourself a good Marine. There's nothing she can't do. And when I get to heaven, St. Peter, I will tell another Marine reporting, sir. I served my time in hell. What was it like? People keep asking me. Is it a voyeuristic thrill you seek for free, or is it real concern when I stare thousand mile vacantly? Dead decades duet plus, I now remember a numbed non-response, my only answer, never and ever, no more the same, reliving the murdering shame. Long ago were Lady Death's decades, twice. There were brown brothers and sisters, I helped ice. The facts of delayed stress and Edwin Starr continue to ask me, war, huh, good God, what is it good for? Ponchos, honchos, afros, cornrow wearing chit, camouflage, sea rations, chevrons, military racist shit. The poison noise of bloopers shattering my bones, killing and re-killing boys and girls with my same skin tones. Brothers and sisters, long gone, dead, and crucifixed shoelaces adorn necks and wrists. Quonset huts, given dap, 
doo-wopping, raised black fists. The gym gleam warmth worms its way under skin. Too many body bags with brothers and sisters going home in. Too many necks adorned with fingers and ears. Eliminated enemy ears for favored souvenirs. Cambodian red, Acapulco gold, gone days and nights. Bayonets blade, M16 insane, one-sided firefights. Brothers guzzle gasoline because they took a wrong plunge. Now they drink death to kill crabs on throats and tongues. Nickel pussy, yum yum, Yankee. Hey girl, hey girl, you marine too? Nickel lick, nickel suck, good fuck. For dime, for dime, my 12-year-old behind will eat you. Normal? Normal? Never and ever no more the same. Reliving a murdered country's shame. Too many necks adorned with fingers and ears. Eliminated enemy ears for favored souvenirs. Dead decades duet plus. Forever I cry. Forever I cry for those who needlessly die. Forever I cry. I served my time in hell. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. <laughs>